purpose today <laughs> to strap ourselves in. It could be warts and all today, Rod. Mm. Just check those uh, wizard sleeves, Tom. They're on board. They're very good. Mm. We need to stretch them wide. All right, I'm ready to go, Tommy. Buckle up. Bombs away. Oh there my god! Are. It took a while to flick that uh, switch into flight mode there, Tom. Have any reason? Are we just a little rusty? I think we're just a little bit rusty, mate. We've been out of the studio mm. for almost a month mm. now, I think, mm. through various reasons. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll go into a bit of detail. So maybe uh, a few people have thought, thank God, yes. no podcast for a month. A we welcome don't have to reprieve. Yeah, <laughs> I'll listen to some decent podcasts for a change. But <laughs> but no, we're uh, we're back. We're back. Mm. Right. Lots to talk about. Lots really. to talk about. So I mean, I could talk about the chair that I've got. I got a new uh, in the Millennium Noggin. A new, a new uh, seat fitted. Yeah. For uh, mission specialist. <laughs> I can go. It's got wheels. Very yeah, good. I don't know if you can hear that, Tom, but it's uh, it's a little creaky. Yeah. Excellent. Mm. So our special guest for the podcast today is yeah. Dr. Tom O'Brien. He is probably the world's foremost expert mm. on mm. gluten. Mm. He's got an awesome website called www.thedoctor.com. Very he comprehensive. Must have, he must have got in early on the domain yeah. names for that one. I bet there's been a few trying to get that. Oh, we've actually tried to get that for ourselves, <laughs> but uh, for the podcast, just under doctor. Yeah. Because yeah. we are doctors. <laughs> if Precisely. Choose, if we choose to be so. Now, there's a lot of content you can get off his website, yeah. and he actually has a certification. You can become a certified gluten practitioner, mm. which is pretty awesome. But we've got a, a so you just uh, prescribe gluten, gluten all the time, or <laughs> you know what foods yeah. are gluten? And yeah, uh, have uh, fifty milligrams of that. Mm, have some bread. So it's actually, you know what? It's the probably the most simple, mm. comprehensive, definitive yep. layout of yep. gluten. What it is, the spectrum of wheat-based sensitivities yep. and disorders, and what I really took away from it, Rawdon, is. So, here we go. We'll, Let's we'll, see, because we'll, we'll, for our, for our uh, listeners, he is sort of, you know, he's uh, moved his chair back, yeah. arms are out in front. Spread. Spread. Eagle. Spread eagle. Spread eagle. Screaming eagle. Let's right. go. Human beings don't have the enzymes that break down the gluten proteins. Right. Made the isoforms? The isoforms. Isoforms. They don't, okay. We can't, can't break them down. Okay. So, we don't have the enzymes that break down these proteins. Got it. However, the immune system can deal with them like they would deal, like it would deal with a, uh, a bug parasite or a virus yep. or a parasite or something. something like that. Something external in the system, yep. Correct. However, when oral tolerance to gluten, once that threshold has been breached... Breached. Like, like, a, a, like a whale, like out, a of whale. Water, out of the water, yep. Then the immune system starts creating antibodies yes. to the gluten. Yep. And from that point on, you will always have those antibodies circulating. They will always be triggered whenever you consume gluten. Right. And so you can get away with it. And some people out there might be right. totally fine right. with no dramas right. with gluten because right. they haven't breached 
the threshold of oral tolerance. Mm -hmm. Once you're beyond that, Mm -hmm. then it becomes problematic. Warts and all. Warts and all. So that's the rub. In fact, no need to listen to the interview. No. Uh, We can wrap it all up there. In fact, you don't even need to go to his website. No, no. No, Um, just that's it. You want to be certified as a gluten practitioner? Done. Stand There we go. Hold on. You certified? There There we go. go. Lovely. Cam, you want to be certified? Sure. That's one for you. (laughs) Tommy, you want one? Yeah. One for you. I'm going to have take two. (laughs) There we go. All right, but Dr. Tom O'Brien coming up very yeah. shortly. And wasn't he a pleasure to interview? One thing I like about the, uh, it'll be a common theme, and Broads, I think, personifies this as well. They can talk. Yes. They're just, yes. They're just good at articulating. They're good at getting their point across. Yeah. Unlike the English. Yeah. We've had a few bombs on the program. Yeah. We don't even know what they're saying. They can talk. They can talk. <laughs> but they don't actually yeah, they they talk around about around around yeah. Things, yeah. It's hard that it, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So that's that. L- okay, cool. Looking forward to that. Now, Rawdon, before we get into that... That wizard's sleeve of content. Yep. Part of the reason we've been out of the studio is we've been... We've been lazy. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And part of the sloth has been... Sloth. You know, dragging ourselves around uh, the country, down to Melbourne. You yes. went to then went to Perth, and we yep. went back up to Sydney mm-hmm. to do some seminars with the evil genius, Roderick Chavez. Yeah, and they would have been aware of that because we've been pumping the hell out of pumping that coming. Pumping the bejesus. Hugely successful. Touch of the speak pipes <laughs> touch of the speak pipes um, but. but the vectors of sports performance seminar yes. series is done and dusted so uh-huh. now we're all back into normal operations but you know what that's the best that we've done yeah I think they're the I best think, seminars was that you done. giving us yeah good work yeah yeah. Cam that's it thanks so we're just, just clapping ourselves they're the best seminars that we've done they, uh, were, they were pretty punchy pretty sharp I mean let's be honest Tom we still didn't follow the format nah. you know, it's, it's hard with Broads on board it's know, impossible he, just, he runs yeah he's like a, a stallion breaking three, free you know galloping mm-hmm. away and we've got to try and tame him yes but uh, yeah it was, uh, it was it was good content though and it was and what content we did deliver was pretty punchy so I thought it uh, it was it was pretty good like yeah. I agree for, for what we've done that's uh, it's, it's 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 acceptable. Yes, uh, it's highly like it's highly acceptable, and I think the product on the back end of that mm. will be well worth uh, the modest investment that we ask for it. Yes. once that's done. One of the things that I have taken away and started applying, mm-hmm. uh, Rawdon, is the I guess the broad concept of Broderick's approach to periodization. Mm-hmm. You've probably heard him talk about periodization in the past, and it's like. You know, you make a list and yep. you put them in an order and blah, blah, blah. It and depends. It, yeah, it depends. And it sounds very, very kind of vague and yeah. ethereal. Big picture But in Vectors of Sports Performance, mm. he went into a lot more detail about what the creative process of periodization is all about. Yep. Particularly fascinating in relation to developing strength qualities, how long it takes to develop different yep. sorts of strength qualities. Yep how long it takes to retain and then before the recession of these qualities and the transition as well that's the, that, the strength into the the lifts that you're exactly. going to do for, for, for intended performance at the end I, th- I thought that was amazing fascinating yeah. and the, you know the more elite the athlete is at their particular skill yeah. the time spent to peak that skill is is less, less. yes so it takes a certain well, amount of time to develop uh, muscle mass and and then well it's like what is the, what does the athlete need is what it does practice it need? the skill knows advanced you don't need to practice that so it all yep. Where they fall in that spectrum of a beginner, intermediate, advanced athlete, and he broke that down. Wonderfully. Broke it down beautifully, and I think what's, I think what's relevant, and what's um, certainly you're not guilty of, no. and, and actually neither am I anymore. But I have been in the past with mm. that very. I'm still guilty of it. That very up and down, undulating periodization yep. scheme, mm. is the minimum amount of time required to develop a strength quality. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about uh, muscle mass 
yep. and strength. Yes. So speed and power and explosiveness, that's a different kettle of fish. Yep. Muscle mass and strength, you know, the way the human body adapts to these things, if you're spending less than six weeks mm. specifically working on that mm. quality, yep. well, there's very, very little lasting carryover of mm. that quality. Mm. You know, you need mm. eight to ten weeks. And he went into the detail of... Uh, well, you and he actually got mm, into the toe weed, to toe. got into the weeds of hypertrophy, and yeah. what actually happens when you know you're training a block of strength training as opposed to a high volume block of more hypertrophy specific training. Yes. You you come out of that workout, you've damaged the muscle, the enzymes come in, they mm. wipe Iso, the slate, forms. they wipe the slate clean. Mm. Then the signaling goes on, and these isoforms that yeah. get they, they get built, they're actually more specific to the quality that you've been training. So yes. your muscle fiber type is your muscle ah, fiber yes. type, but the kind of training that you do uh-huh. over time will influence the actual rebuilding and the, mm. the isoforms that mm. make up the, the char- muscle fiber. characteristic of that muscle the fiber. The characteristic of the muscle fiber. Yes. I think that's fascinating. You yeah. need at least that sort of six to eight to 10 weeks of time to sort of influence yeah. the isoforms. Yeah. The yeah. characteristic of the isoforms. Yes, yes fascinating yes. stuff. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if that yeah. made any sense whatsoever. No, like I think it. Um, I think it's the very reason why I think um, you know, people do undulate is to not go too far away. But like you said, maybe it would be better spending more time mm. in one uh, miso soup than another if, if if that is your intended goal. The, the the you know I guess converting the architecture of the, of, yes. of the muscle. That's that's Key good. Word. Cam. Did yeah, you like nice. that yeah. architecture? architecture. Oh, it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Doctor.com. Doctor.com. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but yeah, good, good stuff from Brods. And uh, it's it's great that even with our time that we've spent with him, myself, you know, close to three years now and, and, and you know, two or so for, for, for yourself and uh, still picking up gems from him and uh, learning something uh, every time we, we, we talk to him. We, yeah. we take something away. It's great. After it's just such a... a a well of, of information and it's, it's you're just pulling bits and pieces out of there and it's yes. like wow where did yes. that come from uh, we had um, you had uh, work to do and you'd gone off on the Saturday mm. night or well, the Friday night after the Sydney oh yeah yeah uh, yeah. you guys went for some burgers we went and had some dinner and Brods and I had a, a really fascinating conversation about the yeah. nature of consciousness yeah go on he has got like I know he, he says he's a trained monkey and you just get him up there and make yep. him talk about sports yep. performance and drugs and that's his thing he knows a lot about the nature of the universe and yeah. he's got theories on consciousness and yeah. evolution and life on other planets and all sorts of stuff. And, and, and remember the, uh, what was that, that concept? Any, any napkin? Uh, there was like a, a napkin, he drew it in a pen and he explained. Uh, that's or basically the theory Einstein's of theory of relativity. Yeah. yeah. yeah so he's on the, all, ba- he's all on the back that. of a, a yeah. napkin. So guys, <laughs> pretty complicated, but yeah. if you want to know, then we'll just yeah. get, a, get a paper towel and a couple of lines and he's there it is. It. Yeah. Explained. So. Fascinating Stuff. Awesome stuff. All right. All right. Uh, we should go to Dr. Tom O'Brien. We should. Happy to do that. All right. Okay, Rawdon. Well, as mm. we mentioned at the top of the show, a very special guest on this podcast from high recommendations from Wolfgang Unsold. Yep. Of course, he's been on the show a couple of times. We've got Dr. Tom O'Brien on the line. Yeah. And so we got, well, now we have three doctors in the room. <laughs> Dr. Tom, Dr. Yeah. Dubois, and Dr. Hewitt. I'm also a neuroscientist now mm. as well. Yes. Um, in recent times, Rodan, you and mm. I, and with our guests we've had, we've probably got 
quite caught up in the role that energy balance mm -hmm. has with uh, body composition and we've mm. stuck on that line for a while where you look if you get the the energy balance in place mm. you can dabble with a little bit of it if it fits in your macros and mm. various mm. other things food choices can be a little lapse and maybe we've lost sight of just how important a food quality is mm. b the role that inflammation plays mm. and then c the role that gluten might mm. play in all of that and i think well, it's worth it's worth exploring again in more detail absolutely mate absolutely so welcome to the podcast Dr. Tom, and uh, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, fellas. It's a pleasure to be with you. So we've got you for about uh, 45 minutes here. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you could give us just, uh, and the listener, a brief introduction into the evolution of your career, and um, then we'll start to get into the meat and the nuts of, of what we're here for. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, when I was an intern, 1979, uh, my wife and I could not get pregnant. So I called the seven most famous holistic doctors I'd ever heard of and asked them, what do you do for infertility? Mm -hmm. They all told me what they do. I put a program together and we were pregnant in six weeks. Hmm. Wow. We, we lived in married housing at the time uh, on campus and uh, my neighbors had been through artificial insemination and nothing had worked for them and they'd asked if I'd work with them and I said well you know I don't really know what I'm doing about this but I don't think it'll hurt you she was pregnant in three months wow, so wow. Be before I came out into practice we were hot to trot to help every couple get pregnant <laughs> uh, and uh, we've done hundreds of couples over the years and and you know there's not much in medicine that's all or every but clinically mm. my experience is this is an every okay every person male or female, every person that has a hormone-related imbalance of any type whatsoever, one of the contributors to that hormone-related imbalance is that they're eating foods that they don't know are causing inflammation, that mm -hmm. are activating their immune system to protect them, mm -hmm. causing inflammation and uh, contributing to their symptoms. Every patient. Mm. And as we dove more into that, we found that the most common food was wheat. And the second most common food was dairy. Yep. And that's, that's played out over the years. We now know that uh, somewhere between 65 and 70% of everyone that comes into the office with any health concern whatsoever, if you do the right testing, if you do a comprehensive test, and that's very important, um, about 65 to 70 percent of everyone that comes in has elevated antibodies to wheat. And those elevated antibodies are the immune system's way of trying to protect you from what it considers to be what it considers to be an invader. Yep. Now, the, the last point to bring up to start us off is that people say, I don't have a problem when I eat wheat. I feel fine. That's because they don't have any gut symptoms. Mm. And it's it turns out that the ratio of gut symptoms compared to the rest of the body, the ratio is one to eight. For every one person with gut symptoms when they eat wheat, there are eight that don't have gut symptoms. They've got brain symptoms or fatigue mm. or muscle soreness or joint inflammation uh, or kidney dysfunction or premature ejaculation or infertility. Uh, but the, the ratio is eight to one. Fascinating. In some of your earlier work that I've read and that I've listened to, uh, Dr. O'Brien, I've heard you sort of describe 
the role of inflammation as a general term, but then how that sort of manifests in the, the genetic weak link of the individual. Do you think you could just sort of unpack that a little bit more so the listener can get a grasp? You bet, you bet. Every degenerative disease, as far as I know, every degenerative disease is a disease of inflammation. At the cellular level, the cell is on fire. It's just a question, is it a kidney cell or a brain cell? Yeah. Is it gasoline or kerosene? But it's always inflammation. Cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, autoimmune diseases, they're all inflammation. And so the, uh, the big picture view is stop throwing gasoline on the fire. That's mm, the yeah. first thing you have to do. And so the question is, well, that's kind of cute, but what do you mean? You have to find the foods that you're eating or the environment that you're in, the air that you're breathing, or what is the trigger that's fueling the ongoing inflammation. You have an imbalance in your body. If you get rid of the inflammation, the imbalance fizzes out. It just fizzles out. There's no more, uh, cancer is an inflammatory cascade. Always, always. And if you just think of it that way, then it makes a lot of sense that the primary effort that we all should be doing is reducing the inflammatory cascade in our body. And so what that means is, well, what does that mean? How am I throwing gasoline on the fire? Really good question. It's not a simple answer. You gotta dive down, you gotta dig in there to figure out what is it in your lifestyle or in your environment. I'll give you an example. We now know that over 60% of Alzheimer's cases, there's three main types of Alzheimer's, over 60% of Alzheimer's cases are inhalation Alzheimer's. It's what you're breathing that's wow, fueling wow. the inflammation in your brain. And the most common trigger to that is mold. Yeah. Mrs. Patient, if you go on vacation for a week or two and you close the house up, when you come home, do you have to open the windows to air the house out? Oh yeah, well you've got mold. And you mm. have to have your house checked for mold because you're breathing it every day. It doesn't matter if you smell it or not, you're breathing it every day. And it goes right through the nose, up into the brain, directly past the blood-brain barrier into the brain, triggering inflammation. Your immune system trying to protect you attacks the mold pores that you've inhaled. Every dog, every dog that they've checked on autopsy in Mexico City, every dog has evidence of Alzheimer's. That, yeah, right. that, that was in the 1990s. In the early to mid 2000s, the urine test became available and then the blood test, every child they check in Mexico City, every child has infl inflammation in their brain the mechanisms of Alzheimer's. Every single child has inflammation markers that are elevated in their brain. We have to wake up that this environment we're living in is often what's fueling our inflammation in our body. So inhalation is the most common cause of Alzheimer's now, but the, the most common trigger to inflammation in the body, the most common one, is what's on the end of your fork. So you have mm. to dial down, what am I choosing to eat that may be triggering inflammation in my body? 
that makes sense. Obviously, uh, the bulk of the immune system in the gut, I guess the things that we put in our mouth can be the, mm. the most likely source of inflammation. So it makes sense that that would be triggering the cascade. We can't do too much about the air that we breathe, but certainly the what's on our fork, we have some control Unless, over. Unless, of course, the, the mold situation, that might True. be something that you could uh, definitely look into. Mm. And, and, and also, guys, uh, if you live in a city that's got high levels of particulate matter, uh, air pollution mm-hmm. and you you know you can't change that but you can get air filtration systems in your house especially in your bedroom where you spend the most time of any room in a 24-hour period mm-hmm. in the bedroom uh, or at your office at work so you get air filters to keep the air clean as much as possible that's a, that's uh, interesting because in sydney the, the, the tommy will probably agree there's quite a few uh asians that that go around with face masks maybe they're they're onto something, onto Tommy. Something. Uh, yeah. yeah, avoiding the uh, the air pollution, but uh, absolutely fascinating there, uh, Doctor O'Brien. Why don't we give our listeners a little bit of a? I mean, gluten. Uh, let's assume no one knows where it is. Why don't we talk about uh, the most common sources of gluten and um, and how it can be hidden in a lot of the things that we uh, that we consume? Because I gather even a small amount of gluten can still be problematic. Yeah. Oh yes. When once you've crossed the line. Uh, there's something called uh, oral tolerance, meaning our immune system tolerates wheat uh, for a while. Guys, we have to understand that we have the same body as our ancestors thousands of years ago, the exact same type of immune system. Mm, It hasn't genetically changed. And what was it that our ancestors had to fight against internally? What did their immune system have to protect them from? bugs, parasites, viruses, molds, and fungus. That was it. Bugs, parasites, viruses, molds, and fungus. There were no mountain streams of of Coca-Cola coming down. You know, there there was no bisphenol A. Mm -hmm. uh, That's one one of the plasticizers, uh, one of the chemicals used in molding plastic that's in our food now. Every human being they test, every human being has bisphenol A in their urine. Everyone, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- there there was no excess mercury in the fish, so uh, uh, the immune systems of our ancestors is the same immune system that we have today. Yep. So our immune systems are designed to fight bugs, parasites, viruses, molds, and fungus. Now that's important because when we look at wheat and gluten is a compound, it's it's one of the families of proteins in wheat. Yeah. When, when we look at wheat, how does our immune system treat it? It looks at it as a bug, parasite, virus, mold, or fungus. And when we first start eating wheat, for most of us, depends on our birth process and uh, what mom gave us, but uh, for most of us, we're tolerant to wheat when we're young. It's not yeah. a big deal. Uh, for some, it's not, and it, it, it's the major trigger to their attention deficit or their Alzheimer's, not Alzheimer's, I'm sorry, autism, yeah. uh, or their asthma. Uh, but for most, kids are tolerant to wheat for a while uh, because it looks at it, our immune system looks at it and says, all right, that's just a minor annoyance, that's wheat, no big deal, let it go by. That's called oral tolerance. Okay. But because of the incredible volume of uh, chemical assaults coming into our bodies today, every single day, 
from uh, molds, from plastics, from chemicals in the food and in the water, the estrogens that are in the water and the uh, um, uh, other chemicals in the water. Because of all of the chemical exposures we're exposed to that our immune systems get activated to protect us from, at some point, the immune system becomes so trigger happy yeah. and so yeah. high strung trying to protect us, it doesn't allow the minor annoyances anymore. Then wheat becomes a pathogen. And then the immune system says, you know what? You aren't coming in here anymore. I've got no room for any more irritations whatsoever. You're out of here. And then the immune system makes antibodies to fight wheat. Now you've got a problem that's with you. Uh, and that's called loss of oral tolerance. And that happens when you're two years old, 22 years old, or 92 years old. And just at some point, when you cross that threshold, wherever that threshold is, and you lose oral tolerance, now your immune system has to try and protect you from it. And, and is that why some seem to be okay with uh, consuming the wheat-based products and, and others not? And it's sort of like, well, I'm okay, and then... Next thing you know, they're not and they're, they're getting symptomatic and it's like, oh, well, I didn't used to have problems with it. You know, what's happened or what's different? So that can sort of crop up at any time, yeah? That's exactly right. And that's exactly the mechanism. It's called mm. loss of oral tolerance. That's what happened. You crossed a threshold. Now you've got a problem. You've got a real problem because you, you never go back. Once you oh. make elevated antibodies to wheat, it's a problem for the rest of your life. Right, okay. Well, that was going to be my next question. Can yeah. you get back beyond the threshold? But apparently not. Um, before we go any further, can we just decipher between these spectrum of issues? Like, what's the difference between a, a wheat-related disorder to a gluten sensitivity to a gluten intolerance? Uh, you know, a wheat and gluten the same problem? Yeah. Can we just explore a bit of that? Yeah, really good question. Right. Um, Mrs. Patient, if you think of the proteins in wheat or any proteins as a pearl necklace. Hydrochloric acid undoes the clasp of the pearl necklace. That's made in your stomach, that acid. So you, un you undo the clasp. Now you have a string of pearls. If you hold them in your hand, you have a string of pearls. Your digestive enzymes made by the pancreas, the gallbladder, the microbiota, these digestive enzymes act as scissors to cut the pearl necklace into smaller and smaller pieces. Snip, 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 snip. Smaller and smaller and smaller until you're down to each pearl of the pearl necklace. Those are called amino acids. Mm -hmm. yep. And your, your intestines are a tube. The tube is 20, 25 feet long. It starts at the mouth, goes to the other end, one big long tube. The inside of the tube is lined with a cheesecloth. And so the cheesecloth only lets really small molecules get out of the tube into the bloodstream. Yep. So the amino acids can go right through, right through the cheesecloth to get into the bloodstream. But the larger clumps of the pearl necklace cannot. That's why your intestines are 20, 25 feet long is because it takes a whole lot longer to snip down prime rib than it does a banana. Yep. And so you know, snip, 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 snip. Well, the problem with wheat is that no human has the enzymes to snip down wheat into the individual amino acids. No human. And there are many studies on this. 
And Harvard published a study a couple of years ago, and I've got five studies in my all-day course on this, but the most recent one's from Harvard, and they showed that every human, every time they get a uh, 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 exposure to wheat, every human gets tears of the cheesecloth every time they eat wheat, every human. Now, the fastest growing cells in the body are the inside lining of, of the intestines. Every three to five days, you have a whole new lining to your intestines. You miss this patient, you have an entire new body every seven years. Every cell regenerates. Mm. Some are really quick, like the inside lining of your gut. Every three to five days, some are very slow, um, like bone cells and brain cells, but every cell regenerates. But your gut, it's really quick. So you eat toast for breakfast, you tear the lining of your gut, but it heals. You have a sandwich for lunch, you tear the lining of your gut, but it heals. Okay. Pasta for dinner, you tear the lining of your gut, but it heals day after week after month after year after year until one day, somewhere, two years old, 22 years old, 92 years old, you don't heal anymore. Now you've crossed the line, that's loss of oral tolerance. You cross the line, you eat a pizza, you tear the lining of the gut and it doesn't heal. Now you've got leaky gut yeah. and that's called pathogenic intestinal permeability. That's the geek word for it, mm. but leaky, leaky gut. Leaky gut is the gateway into the development of autoimmune diseases. So wherever your genetic weak link is, you know, you pull it a chain, it always breaks at the weakest link at one end, the middle, the other end, your heart, your brain, your liver, your muscles, your kidneys, wherever your genetic weak link is, when you pull at the chain, that's where it's gonna break. So now when you lose oral tolerance and you get these big molecules coming through the tears in the cheesecloth into the bloodstream, now you start the inflammatory cascade and here comes thyroid disease or here comes MS or here comes chronic fatigue or here comes fibromyalgia or here comes migraines or here comes recurrent miscarriages. And there are literally thousands of papers, research papers, on the effects of wheat on any tissue in your body, any tissue. It just depends on where your genetic weak link is as to where it manifests. And is that like you developed a, an intolerance to wheat? Um, and does gluten fall into the same bracket? Anything with gluten in it would follow that similar process. And then what about um, like an actual uh, celiac? So when they have gluten or wheat, is it that process instantly like good questions so the first one about celiac no uh, some people are tested for celiac because their family members have it they're negative but 10 years later now they've got it they they cross the line of oral tolerance yep okay and and their genetic vulnerability is to manifest as celiac disease somebody else's genetic vulnerability will be to manifest as Hashimoto's thyroid disease Someone else with a different genetic vulnerability will manifest as multiple sclerosis. Someone else with a genetic vulnerability will manifest as alopecia, losing their hair. See, right. the, mm. the autoimmune mechanism that begins just depends on your genetics. But the mechanism is the same for all of them. So celiac disease is just the genetic manifestation of a wheat related disorder in the gut. Okay. Uh, so uh, the, the big kahuna term is a wheat-related disorder. 
Gluten is a family of proteins. It's not one protein. It's a family of proteins, right. and it's really the wrong word to use. You know, I use the example here in the U.S. that uh, in the 1960s a new company uh, uh, was formed, and they they built a product that was so remarkable, the English language coined the name of the company as an action step to take. And it wasn't too long, and you guys grew up, and someone would have a sheet of paper and hand it to you and say, here, would you please Xerox this? Well, yep. Xerox is the name of a company. Yeah. But it, but it became an action step because it was so popular and so commonly used. Well, gluten is the name of a family of proteins. It's not one protein. It's a whole family. And if you, if you have a sensitivity to that family in wheat, you have a gluten sensitivity. But if you have a sensitivity to the family in wheat of amylase trypsin inhibitors, you have an amylase trypsin inhibitor problem and you get blood clots and you, you get miscarriages. If you have a sensitivity to the lectin family in wheat, called wheat germ agglutinins. If, if you've read the book, uh, The Plant Paradox about lectins, the lectins in wheat are called wheat germ agglutinins. And if you have a problem with that, you develop autoimmune diseases. So it just depends on what part of wheat you have a sensitivity to as to what you would call it. Or So we're, we're, we're trying to use terms like gluten intolerance and wheat intolerance and wheat sensitivity. Those terms were were used in the last few decades as scientists have been slowly unraveling more and more information about this topic about wheat. So the big kahuna term is a wheat-related disorder, period. It's a wheat-related disorder. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you mean? Well, he's got celiac. Well, okay, so that's the genetic vulnerability of how the sensitivity to wheat manifested for that person. Right. Well, they got They've got um, psoriasis. Well, that may be, uh, and if, if you just go to Google, type in psoriasis and wheat or psoriasis and gluten, you'll see hundreds of studies on this. So it's sometimes, and the number's about 14%, 14 to 28%, depending on what study you read, of uh, psoriatic patients who get well when they stop eating wheat. So it's not, it's not every one of them, like Hashimoto's, it's not every one that with thyroid disease it gets well when they stop wheat, but 14 to 20% uh, across the board for almost all autoimmune diseases, the lowest number is about 14%, and some of them go up to the high 20s and low 30s. Uh, schizophrenia, it, it blows your mind. You know, psychiatrists just can't believe this. They, they, they read the studies and then they try it, and their schizophrenic patients, many of them get better when they take wheat out of their diet. It's just hard to fathom from, from the old model. Okay, so so wheat is uh, where it all starts. So I think we're on the same page with that one, and and all those proteins are downstream from 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 wheat, and you could have issue with any of the above. Um, before we move on from there and uh, cross contamination, you 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 explain that process of uh, the inflammation occurring. You're eating, 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 potentially to a point, then. You cross that threshold, and the the cheesecloth gets uh, cracks in it. Um, the process of cross contamination. I've heard this used in the past, where 
the wheat particle has gone into the bloodstream or the, the, the proteins have gone into the bloodstream. You've developed a, an autoimmune response to it. And then you drank some coffee at the same time and now coffee is into the bloodstream and, and coffee henceforth can be problematic. Is, is that a scenario that can develop as well? All sort of brought about by the consumption of wheat and wheat-based wheat products? Oh, really good question. You've done your homework. Good question. <laughs> the uh, topic of molecular mimicry is one that says you have a sensitivity to wheat you stop all wheat and your antibodies start to come down, your immune system calms down because you stopped all wheat. But if you have a, a sensitivity to dairy, for 50% of people with a sensitivity to dairy, they take in dairy and they make more wheat antibodies and dairy mm. antibodies. Right. So that that is cross-reactivity. Uh, it's kind of like if you can visualize a space shuttle going up to the space station. When it's going to dock with the station, you know, th it's got this little docking nose thing that goes in um, to, to the uh, receptacle on the space station, this big open tube that the receptacle on the space station, uh, on the uh, shuttle, it, it goes right in there. And then they hit a switch and there's like five or six um, part of the um, locks that jet out and they lock it right in. Yeah. Uh, so that's what happens in cross reactivity is that some foods have protein structures that look similar enough right. to where they, they may have three docking stations that are similar to the five or six of wheat. And those three are enough to trigger, make more antibodies to wheat make more antibodies to eat. Yeah. But if they only have one docking station, and the docking stations are just sequences of amino acids, if they have one docking station that's similar to wheat, it's not enough to trigger an immune response. But there are foods that have, oh, three or four or five docking stations, and wheat has five or six docking stations. Um, so foods that have three or four or five is enough that it looks similar and so that other food can trigger the immune system to think it still has to fight wheat. All right. That's well, that crazy. Makes, that makes perfect sense. You know, when you think about it like that, it's fascinating that the human being just, uh, whether it's the enzyme, the, the digestive enzyme, we just don't have the capability to actively break down that entire pearl necklace mm. of, the, of the wheat protein. It, you wonder, you know, in 200 years' time, when we look back at, at the amount of autoimmune disease that's occurring now, whether we scratch mm. our heads and think, wow, they were silly back then. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a really appropriate question to ponder. Mm. And now, now, now we get to the meat of the matter. So the question is, if no human has ever been able to digest wheat, why is it that so many more people today, and there's no question about it, there's... Uh, between, you know, they found uh, 9,753 blood samples. Uh, Mayo Clinic found these blood samples in 2009 that had been frozen and kept frozen from 1952, from an Air Force base in 1952. And usually, vials of blood uh, with the rubber stopper on them 
Uh, the rubber stopper they used back then wasn't very good, and the stopper would decay even when it was frozen, and then the blood would go bad and you couldn't use it. But there was, they found that there was a Freon leak in this storage container, so these 9,753 samples of blood were still good because it was really cold in there and the rubber didn't decay. Well, if you're a researcher and you just found 9,753 samples of blood of healthy 20-something young men, there weren't many women in the Air Force back then, um, of healthy, young, vibrant men, you, you've just died and gone to heaven. Yeah. You know, you're a researcher that said, oh my God, can you imagine this? Yeah. And so what do they do? They check the blood of all of these healthy young men to see how many of them had silent celiac disease, how many of them had a problem with celiac and didn't know it yet. Yeah. And they found out, and, and then they compared it with 12,000 uh, blood samples of men who came to Mayo Clinic for a physical. Same age bracket, healthy guys, no diagnosis of problems. So they compared men of today with the blood of men from 1952. Hmm. And they found that today there's four times more undiagnosed celiac disease in the same age bracket of guys. It's four times more common than it was in the 1950s. But why, why is that? Because we've got the same body. How come? Mm. Times more. And it's loss of oral tolerance. Yeah. That is the reason. So what is causing the loss of oral tolerance? Now we get to the meat of the matter. The Journal of Pediatrics published a paper, and they showed that it's 250 pounds of toxic chemicals per person per year that are being, no, I'm sorry, per day. 250 pounds of toxic chemicals per person per day are being dumped in the United States. Wow. Every day, 250 pounds per person. That means for the three of us and the one studio guy there, for the <laughs> four of us, that's a thousand pounds of toxic chemicals every single day that are being dumped in the US. I'm sure it's a little less in Australia, but I don't really know, but it's not gonna be much less. Yeah. A thousand pounds. And, our, and every newborn child that we check now today in the US, every newborn child has on average 180 toxic chemicals in their bloodstream at birth that aren't supposed to be there. 180. And many of them are neurotoxins. Mom's breast milk has a lot of toxins in it today that never before in history has this occurred. Our, you guys think it's okay to use plastic storage containers to put food in in the refrigerator mm. or use plastic wrap to wrap around your leftover chicken and put it in the refrigerator but the phthalates the chemicals from these foods leach uh, 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 from the plastic leaches into the food and so the next day you eat that leftover cold chicken or you heat it up but now it's got plasticizers in it and they get into your body and they are brain neurotoxins so you read my new book that came out September 18th. Uh, the book is You Can Fix Your Brain. You read about this stuff and you go, holy cow, I never knew this. But you, you guys were born and raised in a world where you think it's okay to have all these plastics around, as an example, or the heavy metals that are in the fish now, mm. as an example. 
you know, or the flame retardant that is in your clothing. How many people do you know who have been saved from dying in a fire because they were sleeping under sheets and blankets that have been soaked in flame retardant chemicals? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, no. no. But we say. all are sucking these fumes, the, these things outgassed, these flame retardant chemicals for years. Doesn't matter how many washings you do, they still have these chemicals in them. And we're all, the average guy, by the time he comes out of the bedroom in the morning, he showers, shampoos, shaves, puts underarm deodorant on, he's been exposed to 18 to 25 different toxic chemicals before he comes out of the bedroom in the morning. Every mm. single day, we have to wake up as a culture. We have to wake mm. up because this is killing us. And, you know, and it, one more thing, yep. one more thing. In the US, you know, when I came into practice, one child out of every 10,000 was on the autism spectrum. It was very rare. The CDC tells us today it's one in 33. <laughs> wow. and their brains are being destroyed. Well, where's that happening? Well, it's the vaccinations. No, it's not. It would be very silly for anyone to say vaccinations cause autism. It's very rational to say vaccinations may cause autism. Because mm. if you if you cross the line, the yeah. straw that broke the camel's back with the vaccination, and that brain can't take any more, now you got a problem. And so the point being with the comparison with those, uh, the older blood samples was that, that that population were just not exposed to the burden of environmental toxicity compromising the immune system. And so they could get away with a little more wheat before that uh, oral tolerance threshold was breached. That's exactly right. You got it, man. High five. High five to you. Yeah, high five, Tommy, just there. Yeah. Woo. There we go. We've got a bell here. All right. So, I mean, it all... um... That that is such a critical thought for Mm. your listeners to wrestle with. That's a critical thought because when you do, then you're going to realize, look, a study came out uh, two months ago. They took 300 and some pregnant women, took urine samples from them in the eighth month of pregnancy, measured the amount of five different... Uh, phthalates. Phthalates are chemicals used to mold plastic. So they measured the amount of phthalates in pregnant women's urine. Then they took those, those, those results and they put them on a graph and they broke it into the lowest quartile, the next quartile, the third quartile, and the highest quartile. Then they followed the children of these pregnant women for seven years. And at seven years, the women in the highest quartile of phthalates in their urine during pregnancy compared to the women in the lowest quartile, the children of the women in the highest quartile, they had a seven and a half point lower IQ than the children in the lowest quartile uh, whose moms were in the lowest quartile of phthalates. 7.5 points lower IQ, which is substantial that the plastics in mom's body molded patients, uh, baby's brain development. And these babies, Mm. seven years later, have a seven and a half point lower IQ. We have to wake up to the toxins we're being exposed to. Mm. All right, so if we were to focus back on the the wheat and we comprehend that our environment is, is, you know, far more toxic than what it once was and, you know, 
finding up various other practices. We could talk all day about how we could go about doing that. But if we were to focus back on the wheat, so our listeners are like, okay, I've been eating wheat. What can I do now? They've, they've passed the, the, the tolerance threshold. They, they've developed an issue with it. Is that it? End of the line? It's too bad. You're now screwed for the rest of your life. What, what can we do as a, as a society uh, if we have uh, breached that threshold and it's now a problem for us? What can it's we do? It's really a good question. You know, and you guys are all about what do we do about it? What do mm. we do about it? And I think that's great. Um, it's important to understand the depth of this and the critical nature of it as the impact factor to motivate your listeners to stay with us and to learn more. So in my book, the subtitle of the book is just one hour a week to the best memory, productivity, and sleep you've ever had. And that's not a cutesy title. It's because this information is so overwhelming. Yeah. And yes. everybody, everybody of your generation, you know, the millennials, I want it now. Yeah, tell, true. Tell me what pill to take. I want it now. What can I do so that I go on with my life living the way I do things, uh, but I take care of them? It ain't like that, man. Mm. It is not like that. This is something you've got to dial down. You spend one hour a week learning about this, and in six months, you've dialed it down. There is no simple pill. There is no simple diet. I mean, a gluten-free diet is essential. That's the prerequisite to um, getting a healthier life. Uh, uh, but it's, uh, it's not the treatment protocol. It's the prerequisite. Yeah. And there's a lot to learn about this, and you don't pick it all up in in a uh, 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 one-hour talk. You know, no. my, my goal here is that you say, "Wow, I think I better like pick this book up or and take a look at this uh, just to see if you know, because there's over 300 studies that I reference in the book, and it's all in everyday language. You know, you pull at a chain of breaks at the weak link, or your your intestines are a tube lined with cheesecloth." All mm. those kind of concepts so the general public can get these very sophisticated ideas and begin to reframe how they look at raising children and how they look at the environment that they live in. Okay. Absolutely. So in the five minutes that we have left, Doctor, um, for our listener, they're, they're probably a little more advanced than the, the average general population. They've been exposed yeah. to some level of functional nutrition. They probably eat a diet largely based around whole foods they're not necessarily presenting with autoimmune symptoms or anything like that, but there might be joint pain or some mm. skin issues or stuff mm, like that. Mm, so mm. What, what, for, for, for people that are willing to make changes to their nutrition and are already on the path, what would be some of the signs that maybe they, they have breached that, that threshold and where do they go from there? Really good question. Dr. Rodney Ford, pediatric gastroenterologist in New Zealand, says it better than anyone I've ever heard of before when asked who should be concerned about a sensitivity to wheat he said well anyone who is sick should be concerned about a sensitivity to wheat yeah. because it may manifest as a skin problem mm. it may manifest as sore joints and that's the only symptom you get so the the key is proper testing so if you um, some people will just go all right that's it I'll go gluten-free I'll go gluten free completely gluten-free I'll try it for a month and you, so you go gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free for a month because dairy is such a common yeah. uh, cross-reactive food. You know, uh, it's called the tax rule. If you sit down on four tacks, you jump up really quick. It hurts a lot. Take two tacks out and sit down again. You don't reduce the pain by 50%. Mm. 
right? Still so hurts. If, if you've got a sensitivity to wheat and to dairy, so um, if, if you're gonna do the trial method, you do wheat, dairy, and sugar, get them out of there. Uh, uh, none whatsoever. You have to read the label on your shampoos. Yeah. Uh, for, for ladies, lipstick, um, uh, lotions they put on their skin, all of that, uh, so that you are completely gluten-free, and just see how you feel. Uh, but if you want a more comprehensive overview, you do the blood tests. And most of the blood tests are no notoriously inaccurate. Uh, there's yeah. a lot to learn about the blood tests, and we've got videos and education on my website. It's called thedr.com, thedoctor.com. Just don't spell the word doctor out. And learn about the blood test. And then go to your doctor and say, I need a blood test like this. And say, oh, well, we'll check you for wheat. You say, well, if you're just checking alpha glidin, that's only one component of wheat. I need more than just one component tested. You know, but you have to kind of dial down this information so you know what to ask for. Mm. So it's going to take a, a little time, one hour a week. You know, so you're going to spend an hour just looking at what are the tests to do for wheat sensitivity, uh, and then you have to see what's available in your area, what your doctor is willing to do. Mm. That's uh, and and we'll wrap things up now. But that is one of the things that you do, doctor. You you uh, do certifications mm. on on for it to be like a gluten practitioner. And I think you have a product on the website there, the uh, the Gluten Summit, where you can access hours of interviews that you've done with experts around the world in in pretty uh, easily digestible form. So that might be a good place for uh, listeners to start. That's a really good point. Uh, the Gluten Summit is just jaw dropping when you hear. Uh, the world's leading uh, 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 vascular biologist, meaning mm. the health of your blood vessels. And he talks about what wheat does to the inside of your blood vessels. Your eyes pop out of your head. Or when you listen to the world's leading neurologist from Sheffield, England, on the impact of wheat on the brain, talk about how it kills brain cells and what some of the, if, uh, for any of your people to get numbness and tingling anywhere in their body, it may likely be a problem with wheat. So all of that's on the Gluten Summit, and that's all in there. It's really fabulous uh, information. Yeah, and, and I, I think all of our listeners will be sort of, you know, touching their elbows, going, oh, there's a bit of pain there. Mm, I do get a bit of tingling through the, through the feet at times, and I don't think there would be anyone listening that wouldn't have a symptom or two of exactly what you're describing. So I think there's... Uh, maybe a wake-up call for all of us, Tommy, to mm. actually look a little more into this. And it sounds like um, if we check out the, uh, the resources through uh, uh, Dr. Tom O'Brien, we can, we can actually arm ourselves with a bit of information that we can actually take to the doctor because, you know, previously I thought that the blood tests were, weren't that accurate, but, but clearly some of the tests, uh, a more comp comprehensive blood test will actually reveal... Um, mm whether you have issues uh, fundamentally or not. So that's uh, awesome information there. Well, thank you so much for your time, Doctor. I know you're an incredibly busy man and you've got mm. a, a other people, backlog of people waiting to, to pick your brains and talk to you. So we really do appreciate the time. And uh, if we ever have the chance to talk again, that'd yeah. be fantastic. Thank you, fellas. It's a real pleasure to, to work with you and it'd be my pleasure to uh, meet you someday if you ever come our way and or if I'm over in Australia and, well, and uh, I look forward to uh, being on your show again. Thank you so much. Thanks absolutely, so much. Dr. Thank Tom. And, and before we go, Tommy, just one last for our listeners that do want to find out a little bit more about yourself. Uh, what is the best place for them to uh, to get in touch with you? 
Oh, thank you. It's the dr.com, the doctor.com. Just don't spell the word doctor out, the dr.com. Mm, absolutely. And there's tons of stuff on YouTube as well. Tommy and I were watching all those. So absolutely. Thank you for your time, mate. Uh, enjoyable. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, doctor. Bye-bye. Well, there he was, Dr. Tom O'Brien. He was there. A lovely, lovely man. Mm. I could. He's the type of guy that you could listen to all day and the, the content was just... Uh, uh, just effortless. Yes. Like he really knows his uh, gluten back to front and sideways. Uh, absolutely. And we appreciate the time that he made for us, Rod. And he's a busy man with a uh, fairly jam-packed schedule well, out there. took a few goes before we could actually before we can uh, get him on. the sun and the moon aligned. Yep. There we have it. Uh, so the elevated wheat antibodies, mm. Rod, and that's what we're going to look out for. Yes. Um, I mean, the concern is is that, um, you know, inflammation in the brain mm. or some of these more sinister things that you don't actually... Insidious inflammation in the brain. You don't notice them on an acute level, but mm. in uh, 20 or 30 years' time, yes. with the build-up of uh, uh, mercury that's already in there... <laughs> and everything else. And everything the, else the that's going environmental on. Environmental toxicity, absolutely. Uh, who knows what sort of state I'll be in. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, there it was. I also think it was uh, It's not quite as dire. You know, it's a little bit here and there... It's, it's not the end of the world, but uh, once you breach, once you bre- that's it, <laughs> game over. Breached. So uh, to find out more about uh, becoming yep. a certified gluten practitioner, uh, go to thedoctor.com to uh, get all the information from Dr. Tom O'Brien, and we thank Excellent. him for his time. Thank you, thank you. So uh, we'll wrap things up. Rawdon, the vectors of sports performance <sighs> yes. done and dusted. will be available at some point soon. We must thank... Primal Foods. Yeah, so they, they came on board as sponsors for the day in Melbourne. I think that was... Was it Stuart? Stewie? And Stuart actually Stewie? is a fan or listens to the podcast. I don't know if he's a fan, but he no. listens. He, he listens. He's he a puts brave, up with. a brave soul who listens to the podcast. He puts up with the program. And those meals were delicious. They were good. Absolutely beautiful. They were good. Well-cooked proteins. Yes. Nice, generous serving. Mm. A lovely, creative uh, side that mm. came with it. Beautiful. Yeah, very good. In, that uh, was in Melbourne? That was in Melbourne. So uh, Primal Foods down in Melbourne. Yes, in Sydney. We, we salute you. Uh, food for fitness. Yes. From Carlo. Yep. They were also delicious meals. Mm-hmm. Well done. Uh, well cooked. A nice variety of different yes. meats. And I've got to say good servings. Yeah, and generous. If you get the 300 gram serving, that's uh, it's a fair bit of protein there. I thought it was great. Excellent. And so they're well received from all the attendees. It's, uh, thanks so much, guys. Really, really appreciate it. We do it. appreciate it very much. Thank you. And, of course, uh, Sabido Supplements. Sean yeah, don't forget, Sean. He was there all day. Uh, we, we sort of bumbled our way through, bumble mm-hmm. our way through it in uh, Melbourne. Yeah. But uh, he came on board for the day and set up and uh, samples for everyone. EAA is for all. It yes. Was, uh, it, was, it was awesome. So thanks so much, Sean, for being part of what we do. And we thank Sabido for their ongoing support of the program and yep. what's going on. So that pretty much brings us to an end, Rod. And if someone would like to get in contact with you, another brave soul who would uh, <laughs> is prepared to do a show prep yeah. or a... Uh, oh, you better uh, hurry up. Yeah, no, well, uh, Instagram or uh, or Facey, just uh, the Dubois Method or Rod Dubois, hit me up. I'm there. I'm yours. Oh. And you, Tom? Uh, what about I mean, I'm not that easy. No. I'm not just going to give myself away like no. Rodan will. No. We're blasting out of here. Let's get out of here, Tommy. See you next week, guys. Let's go.